That's it. My family and other animals. Well, you lot are my family, and we'll get on to other animals later. I slightly plagiarised the cover and put my name on it. That's good. <clears throat> right, I've not so much got a clear theological theme through this, more, as you can see from the subtitle, Observations, Encouragements and Challenges on Community Living. Um, if we go to the next slide, Pax, I think you're uh, always a crowd pleaser. <coughs> in, um, in January, uh, I spoke at the Leaders Weekend briefly about some of the struggles we've had, as, a, as well, Joe and I particularly, in asking for help and engaging the community and supporting us. And I think when Eli was born, we were really challenged on that. Um, I think, so the, the recent events got me thinking, and I think what I've got this morning is not, it's not going to be the same for everyone. I think there's little bits um, from the observations I make that hopefully some of you will pick up. Yeah, that's, that's something for me, or this, this is not for me. Because I'm going to be looking at some of the things we're good at as a community, and some of the things you might struggle with, but a lot of uh, two of the particular things are, are flip sides. You might struggle with one and not the other. So we'll have a look at that. So basically, what I want you to think about is, is the things that you can take from this. And it, it's not, I don't want there to be any condemnation and no searching about what we're not good at, but really it's an encouragement about what we are good at and just picking up little things about the next step. <coughs> um, right, yeah, so why, why were we not so good at asking for help, Joe and I? I don't know really. Um, maybe it was pride. Maybe it was not wanting to bother people. Maybe it was thinking that um, people wouldn't want to help us, wouldn't want to um, put themselves out for us. Um, we've been shown that that's not the case. People are not only willing but quite keen to help out. These are some of the examples um, that we've had recently. <coughs> I think we've had a total of 18 meals cooked for us since Eli was born, which in five weeks is not too bad with a few days in hospital anyway. And I had to cook for myself, which was interesting. <laughs> Actually, I'm quite good. I just didn't bother. Um, so, yeah, we had an initial period, and then last week when I was back on late shift, you know, it was quite tough with Joe trying to feed Eli and get the boys to bed and try and cook some sort of dinner as well. So people have stumped up again, and this week we've got another five meals, and I've had leftovers for lunch the next day, which is good. <coughs> I've had a lot of people taking the boys out. Um, I mean, the older two boys, obviously which just gives Joe a bit of time, particularly when I'm at work, Joe a bit of time to um, tidy, do the housework, that sort of stuff, obviously. <laughs> um, and group activities, you know, the, the home group have really, uh, we lead a home group, and they've really sort of stumped up. James and Sophie have done quite a bit. Um, Matt and Sharon and the Stanfords, uh, and the Tizards, right, have, you know, they've hosted home group and really kept things going whilst we were a little bit um, out of action. And cakes, we've had, had a few cakes, which I enjoy, like cakes. Um, again, I said the meal and bath time can be quite stressful, particularly if I'm not there, although I think it might sometimes be slightly less stressful if I'm not there. But, um, so we've had a few people come round, I think Debbie last week picked Joe up and the boys, took them home, gave them tea, and then brought them back and helped with bath time, so it's a real, real help for Joe. And it helps me know that while I'm at work that it's not all going to go haywire, because it can <laughs> with the... No, Mike, it can be quite lively. Um, set up cover. I've um, asked, and I've had three of my setups covered by each of the other leaders, which is a sacrifice. Those of you that do set up know it's, it's an early start, and you normally get home in time for pudding. Um, so it's a sacrifice for those guys, and a real blessing for me to know that set up is being covered for a couple of months while we 
get ourselves settled. Um, yeah, I said more meals when we were late shift and more cakes. I think I might have already mention that. Uh, next slide, please, Pax. Um, not so much recently, but I was thinking about some of the other things that we've been blessed with in recent times. Um, Penny has helped Micah a lot with his reading, um, which had a massive impact this year at school. He's, he's gone from, his teacher said, from really not wanting to read with him to being quite excited to get books out and read. Um, so that's good. Uh, faithful pursuers, when we were struggling to ask for help, we've had people that have come around and said, right, we're here to help. <laughs> so even when, we're, even when we struggle, we've had people that have um, come around and said, actually, we're going to make this happen for you. We're going to make sure you're in the right position. There are people standing with you and helping you with things. Um, going back quite a while now, we moved house when Michael was born. The day before he was born, he was early, so we weren't quite ready for it. And um, we had a house full of boxes and a right state, and we thought we had a few weeks to get it prepared, and then Micah came early. And what actually happened was I gave Dan Singleton a key, and although I did quite a bit of work myself, there were, he just organised giving out the key and people would come. And every time I visit the house, next time there was all the wallpaper was gone, all the carpets were up, or um, the one time we went around and there were um, three girls that we don't, didn't know very well, Sarah Turt and two of her friends. I knew Sarah a little bit, but just getting rid of wallpaper and paint in the bedroom, it was like, these are people that are not really linked directly with me, but serving us and making a difference. And um, that was really, that was quite humbling to know that. And we had, I think Avril organised a, a painting party and got most of the paintwork done. And Laura and Lisa's dad came around one day with one of his work colleagues and just finished everything. So I know that's a, a little bit of an extended family, but you know, we had that real, real impact on our house, which is which was great at the time. Um, borrowing a car, that's quite, a, quite an impactful one. Um, a couple of years ago, I fell off my motorbike in the ice, and um, from then on, I've basically avoided anything vaguely cold, and Chris and Anna let me borrow their barge whenever, whenever I need it, and that's, that's quite an impact at work. It's, it's a bit of a talking point when I turn up in that. People quite enjoy that. I talk about the running boards and, <laughs> and it's a keel down and things like that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> running with Noah. Ben, that's a little picture of Ben taking Noah out running. Um, he comes round and uh, helps Noah release some energy. That's him running with Noah at Park Run. Um, I've had a couple of, a couple of guys have run with the boys. We go running on a Saturday morning and um, Dave Fibbins and Ben have both run with no, it's just, you know, it's just another support for them. It means if I've got the both of them, someone helps and, and looks after one of them, which is really useful. Um, so that's some of the examples we've got. What I thought I'd do is just get three or four examples from the floor. So I'll just I'll leave that out there while I say the next thing, and then we'll see if there's any examples you've got of people really serving and blessing you, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Um, so I think there's, there's different levels of, of support and care that we can show for each other. And some of these are, uh, are perhaps not that big a sacrifice. You know, Ben likes running, so running with Noah perhaps isn't that big a sacrifice. But actually, it has a big impact. And there are some things that are maybe a bigger sacrifice that don't have quite such a big impact. But you know, God's calling us to do all of these things in, in different measures. And... 
I think sometimes it's, it's easy to maybe drop in on someone on the way home and um, it might even be easy if you're cooking a meal, just to cook an extra meal. It might not be that big a deal. But I think there are things that require some real sacrifice and a real level of commitment. Um, and even things like, you know, when we're really good friends with people confronting people, that's not easy. Who here has been confronted or challenged by someone in, in a good way? I mean, not like shouted out of work or something. Yeah, well, not enough. We need some more of that, I think. <laughs> I'll make notes of who said they were. <laughs> and, um, and a real sense of commitment. Um, there's, there's a certain level of commitment which is just maybe cooking a meal for someone, dropping in on the way home, that sort of stuff. There's a level of commitment where we really know what's going on in each other's lives. We're actually close enough to know things that are happening when we see each other regularly enough for people to open up to us. Um, yeah, so there's all, yeah, there's all these different levels of sacrifice, and we're going to touch on a few later. Um, where's the mic gone? Is it? <laughs> right, who's going to do some running for me? Ah, well done. Who's got a good example? Anyone? Oh, have it back there, Andrew. Go, like the wind. <laughs> When my mum died at the end of March, um, the manager of the home phoned through to me at eight in the morning to say my mum had passed away. And I phoned through to um, Neil Drake's and there was no answer. And I'm sitting there, obviously crying. And uh, about an hour later, there was a knock on the door. He'd just dropped everything and found the message and came round to me, made me a cup of tea and sorted things out. And later that day, Andy Garland took me to the doctor's surgery in order to get the death certificate. The following, and I think they invited me around for a meal that evening. And um, the next day, Neil sat with me for a couple of hours at the, um, where you have to register the death and helped me um, sort out all the um, program for the quite lengthy funeral service that I'd planned, because it was a... Um, uh, sort of did like a this is your life for my mum and I know that people would do that but it was just I didn't have to ask people just cared for me and people obviously prayed for me and and you know invited me around and I, I just want to thank God for the family that I'm in because I don't have brothers and sisters of um you know normal kind as you might say but so this is my whole family and um I just wanted to thank God for all that um, encouragement that they gave and, and still continue to give, and all my friends do. Thank you. Yeah, I think there is something key in asking for help. But when I was looking at this, I was looking through the Bible for examples of, or, or instruction to ask for help, and really it's asking God for help. But the, the overriding sort of teaching in the Bible is about us just being helpful and helping each other. And you need to be close enough to people to know what's going on, to know that you need to get around and help. And there is something in us humbling ourselves amongst our family and asking, but I think that's, that's a really interesting point that she didn't really need to ask. You know, people just came and sorted stuff out and gathered around and supported her, so that's really good. Um, next one. Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah. I had to give up driving for health reasons. 
and I thought, hey, this is it, I'm going to be stuck in four wars. But the Jarvises came along without even me asking. They're giving me lifts, they took me to my brother's funeral, brought me back again, they took me to see my sister who lives a long, long way away. Um, they've been there for me every week. They take me to my club, which I wouldn't have been able to go to. Um, and there's the, um, um, lots of drivers I've got now, the Ackermans, um, the Garlands, and I would never, ever have the life I've got now if it wasn't for them, because I'd have been stuck indoors. And I didn't have to ask. They were there. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's a real nitty-gritty of every day, isn't it? Just helping someone with a bit of life that they struggle with. That's good. There's a couple down here, Andrew. When we moved to Greenway many years ago, um, and the move itself was a story uh, for another time, but um, we moved in and we didn't really have a lot of resource. The house was in quite a lot of quite poor repair um, and it was quite dangerous as well the health and safety issues pipes needed cutting off all sorts of things and we were just excited to be in a new home but very overwhelmed and basically um, Lisa Webb took it on herself to become our clerk of the works and basically organized our group at the time to completely redecorate the whole place and Amanda supervised the decoration in terms of taste and all the rest of it, but other people just came uh, and did their thing. And, uh, you know, I've got great memories of Nathan standing on our dining room table, artexing ceilings and stuff. He doesn't even remember. Other people hammering out walls and uh, brick dust everywhere. But it was incredibly... It was a great um, spirit. There was a great spirit of family as we did that because we couldn't have done it on our own, but everyone else thought, they've got the house, now let's really make it a home for them. That's good. Let's make Penny the last one. Um, this is really quite um, recent. I've been um, having quite a lot of um, family difficulties. It, was, it just felt like one thing after another kept on coming up and it felt quite overwhelming, but it was just that um, I always knew that I could text people, they would pray, I could phone someone up, they would just come around and, and we'd pray together, we'd visit. And then, the, you know, as things started to get a bit better, I was just so blessed because um, somebody just gave me a gift of money to just do some stuff with my family, just to sort of help build a family. And it, so it wasn't just the, the prayer support, it was just that, you know, a, a blessing that I couldn't even have expected and felt yeah. quite, um, you know, I didn't deserve it, but it was just so, so, so precious to me that people care in those very practical ways. Yeah. Was there, did you have one, Gwyn? Right, make Gwyn the last one then. Um, I was thinking back to last year, before, just before I went into hospital. Um, I'd only just really moved at that point, although I'd actually owned the house for some time. Um, and everything was still in boxes. <laughs> and a number of people came round one particular evening and put up shelves and did also I'll put shelves together, you know, Ikea type shelves, <laughs> we've got to work it out. Um, and all sorts of small things were done which made the way much easier when I came out of hospital. So if I'd still had everything in boxes, I would have been severely tempted to start moving things around. And <laughs> I wasn't allowed to. <laughs> and also some meals afterwards, that sort of thing. And when I first got the house, people helped sort it out because it was left in rather a state. 
which was great, which meant I could go to Sierra Leone. Not sure it was much use there, but there we are. <laughs> That's brilliant, some really good examples there. Um, I sometimes think I'm not as engaged in our community with you lot as I could be. Now, when I was planning for this, looking at all those examples of people helping us and you know, where, where we give out as well, um, I actually probably am quite engaged. So either in thinking that I'm wrong, which is highly unlikely, or there's something more that God's got for me and hopefully for you lot. Otherwise, I'm just here talking to myself and it's quite boring for you lot listening. But, so that's what I think, you know, as, as engaged as we maybe think we are, I think there's more. You know, a while ago we were talking in leaders' meetings, probably a couple of years ago, that you know, one of the things we think we're good at, one of the parts of our lifeline DNA is, is relationship. But actually, I think there were times when we'd seen a few cracks starting to appear. And actually, I think we can get complacent, can't we, sometimes? We're lifeline, we're relationship. Well, that's what we said 20 years ago. Is it still true now? And I think it is. But I think, you know, there's a, a deeper expression of that and, a, and somewhere to move into with that. If we look at the next slide, Pax, this is, this is not everything the Bible says about community, but it's um, just a couple of things that I'm going to pick up on. Um, that, the first one in Mark, <coughs> you don't need to look them up because they're all up there. Jesus' mother and brother arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. The crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So that's you lot. So that's the my family bit. Um, not the other animals. You're all right, safe from that <laughs> label. Um, so Jesus was quite clear that actually, yes, he had an earthly family, but his real family were the people that were, were joined around him that were doing um, God's will with him. Um, the verses in Luke give to everyone who asks you and if anyone takes what belongs to you do not demand it back do to others as you would have them do to you if you love those who love you what credit is that to you even sinners love those who love them and I think I'll just talk about that a little bit more in a minute but there's two quite distinct parts of that, that bit in bold do unto others as you would have them do to you and I think some of us struggle with the doing unto others some of us are not so, for whatever reason, not so apt to, to helping other people, to getting involved, to putting ourselves out there, whether it's something to do with you, whether it's a view of other people, um, or whatever it might be. And if that's you, you probably know some of those reasons. And some of us struggle with the other bit, which is where sort of Joe and I were, really. But, but I know it's not quite worded that way, but, you know, what would we have others do to us, actually? If I'm prepared to get up in the middle of the night to help someone out, why would I not expect that you guys would be not only prepared but willing to do that for me? And I think we, I mean, we had an issue in the night where we could have done with some help and <laughs> Chris and Anna gave us a right sending off afterwards. They said, right, we're two minutes away, our phones are on, why wouldn't you call us? I think they were probably slightly offended by that. <laughs> but we've, uh, you know, since when we were getting ready for having Eli, we we tapped them up and they were on, on call to come round if they needed to. Um, so I think, yeah, sometimes we can, we can struggle on that side of things. Um, the next one, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, 
I think I've already spoken about the impact that borrowing Chris's car has um, at work when I turn up in that. It is, it's a bit of a laughing um, thing now if people ever joke about it, and especially if I turn up it's not that cold or icy. Have a bit of a go if you're not riding a motorbike. But it does have an impact. You know, I've, I've spoken to people about it and they said, really? Well, any time you can borrow their car. I said, well, yeah, as long as they don't need it, just walk around and borrow it. And it's, it, people don't get that. It's really tough for them to grasp. And um, with the whole meals thing, we had the midwife came around a few weeks ago and um, she's looking over the baby and she said something about getting meals ready or something. She said, oh, people from church do that. Um, and they, they sort of get meals ready for us. And she said, oh, oh, that's nice. They come around and cook for you. No, 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 they, they cook at home and just bring it all ready to go. It's really good. Oh, and you just pay them for the, for the ingredients and stuff. No, no, they just do it and bring it. It's like her face got gradually more and more shocked as a sort of conversation goes, really? Really? What, really? And it's, it's normal to us. We're quite used to that. And so I think, you know, as part of the encouragement, you know, it's something special we've got. It really is. It, it has an impact. Um, so, you know, I would say don't ever let normal get normal, if you see what I mean. Like it's normal for us. Let's remember how special that is and the impact it can have. And, and it is far-reaching. And, you know, I've spoken to other people about that before. You know, the guys at work, when I turn up with my leftovers, they're like, what's that? Oh, Joe's been cooking. Oh, no, it's so-and-so. Like, really? Oh. And you, you trust them? <laughs> and depending what it was and who it was, yeah. <laughs> it's the answer I give. <laughs> we'll just see how it goes sometimes. Um, yeah, and that last one, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Now, that is pretty extreme, obviously. Not many of us are called to lay down our lives for our friends. Uh, it has happened over history, Jesus the obvious example. But, you know, how prepared are we to do that, to go to that extreme? Or even if we just notch that back a bit, how prepared are we to really sacrifice something we want to do? How prepared are we to really give up what we want to do? Or do we try and work out how we can make it work in with what we want to do? And I think that's, <coughs> that's a bit of a challenge to us. Um, I know I sometimes think, mm, right, how can I make that work and still do X, Y, or Z? Maybe I'll do it before that or after that. Or try and make it a time that's maybe less convenient for the person that needs the help, but more convenient for me. And, you know, I think we have to check ourselves when we start thinking like that. I mean, sometimes it doesn't matter. If someone wants you to come and cut their grass, it really doesn't matter. So you can fit it in. But if it's something that really is quite time-dependent, then how prepared are we to sacrifice uh, the things that we want to do? Um, one I've not put up there is Romans 12, verse 10, where it talks about trying to outdo each other in showing honour. And if we, if we really grasp hold of that, and not in a, no, you're the best, no, you're the best sort of way, but in a real sort of, actually, I'm going to honour this person. And then, and then everyone else is thinking, actually, I'm going to honour this person and try and, not necessarily in a competitive way, but really try and give everything into honouring each other. Imagine what sort of community we could live in then. Um, right, next slide, Max. I think this is just picking up on the do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Um, these are some of the reasons maybe we, we struggle to, to serve each other. Uh, laziness is obviously, I quite often think, oh, I'll make that phone call tomorrow because I'm sat in front of the telly now. And that's not really acceptable. 
and Joe sometimes helps me with that and sometimes rolls her eyes. <laughs> um, selfish, as I was just saying, you know, sometimes we want to do what we want to do and can we fit it in round us or not? Um, sometimes it's just inconvenient to make an extra meal for someone to go and take their kids out or that sort of thing. Um, and sometimes we just lack confidence. Would, uh, am I really the right person for that? Could I do that? Would they really want me to do that? If I offer to do something, would they actually trust me to do that? Would they want me to do that? And I think, you know, you don't really know until you offer. <laughs> and, you know, we, we are part of the body together. We have all got skills, and there are some things that we'd be good at and some things that we'd be not so good at, but someone else would be good at them, and that's why God's got us together. Um, next one, Pax. So some of us struggle to receive other people serving us and receive that help. Perhaps we're proud. Perhaps we think, actually, oh, I've got this sorted. I know what I'm doing. I, I can do this on my own. And I think, you know, that's probably one I would ascribe to a little bit. I don't like to admit that I, I need help with some things, but sometimes we do, don't we? Um, maybe you think people are too busy. That's what I think we thought a little bit with, you know, Chris and Anna around the corner, they've got their own things to do. Do they really want to come and help us? Do they want to get involved? Maybe they've got their own things going on. Or maybe you think, well, am I really worth people helping me? Is anyone going to want to help me? Perhaps I should just be quiet and get on with it. Or you don't want to be a burden. You know, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want them to have to worry about me. They've got their own things to worry about. And really... That's, uh, yeah, those two, you know, they're too busy or don't want to be a burden. That's not your call to make, really, generally speaking. Although when I was thinking about this, I did think <laughs> once we did deliberately not ask my mum something because she would always say yes and it really, it wouldn't have been very good for her. So there are times when you do have to think about that. But generally speaking, you ask someone, we're a community that should be honest with each other. If someone asks you to do something and it's too much or it isn't the best time, then say no. Not in, a, not in a selfish way, but if it really, you know, if, if someone asks Joe to go and move some boxes at the moment, it's not going to be the best thing. But that's obviously a fairly extreme one, but there are some other examples. But if you ever are thinking, mm, well, mm, maybe I should, but I'm not really sure it's the best thing, another option is to get someone else involved. Subcontract it out. <laughs> you know, think of someone else. I do that quite a lot. I've put Dorman in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> but... Um, that's the way you can help. If you can't do it yourself, suggest someone else or, or um, even ask them yourself. Uh, where am I? Lost myself. Next one, thanks. There we go. Right, so that's the other verse. Love one another as I have loved you. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples, three years constantly with his disciples. I mean, they must have been fed up with each other at times, haven't they? I've spent more than three years with my wife. And, no, no, that wasn't the example I was going to give. <laughs> I, I, was, I remember spending intense times with people walking and cycling before, and you get fed up with people. And there are times when you do, and you have to work through that. But, you know, Jesus spent a lot of time with those disciples, and he probably got less fed up than them. They got with each other. But, you know, he shared his whole life with them. He was teaching, serving, leading, you know, telling them off. But, you know, it was time. Three years they spent together. They knew each other well. They knew each other inside out. Jesus knew them intimately, didn't he? He knew, I mean, I know he had a bit of insight from God as well, but, you know, he knew the sort of guy Peter was. 
he knew that he was, that he was going to let him down, but he also knew he desperately loved him. And I think sometimes, again, it depends which side of the coin you fall. You know, sometimes it's easy to be a hero, isn't it? Sometimes when, you know, someone's got a plumbing disaster or something, you know, Gary Easter comes around and sorts it out, or, you know, if you've got electricity flowing out at the end of wires, Dora will come and put something on the end of it. It sounded like I didn't know what I was talking about, didn't it? <laughs> but uh, some of us find that easier, but the day-to-day stuff harder. Some of us find the day-to-day stuff easier and, and would just be in absolute panic if someone phoned up and said, there's water flooding out of my bathroom, can you come and help? Now, I think there's, there's sort of two aspects of that. One is, let's learn a little bit to do the other thing. You know, if you're a, a hero help, server, helper, you know, the day-to-day stuff is really important to get to know people, to really know where they're at, to be able to help them when they need it. And, and you know, I think, I think as blokes, probably, we're more of a, you know, situations happen, let's go around and get stuck in and sort it out. And maybe the girls are a little bit more sort of relational and that sort of thing. And that's, that's fine, because that's, to some extent, how we are. And... And that's, that's okay, but you know, I think there's something for us guys to learn in um, just maintenance. You know, I know Nathan's really good at that sort of thing, because he's quite girly. That's not bad, 24 minutes in and I've got a laugh. <laughs> but, you know, so, as I said, all these things, are, we fall down on one side or the other. And I think it's worth, worth accepting that we are the way we are, and that we are a body of people and that there are other people to fill in the gaps, but also let's think, are there areas where I could be in increasing my abilities and, and entering more into the community? Um, yeah, I think you know, that day-to-day stuff is really important. Fire prevention is, is much more effective and efficient than firefighting, isn't it? You know, it's a lot, there's a lot less damage if you put up a smoke alarm and you know when a fire's just started. You know, it's the same thing with maintaining relationships. When we know each other well enough, and she said, you know what, they're a little bit off today. I'll check how they are, rather than waiting until they're on the top of a car park or something like that, you know, in a real desperate situation. I think there's, there's something to be said for that, and that's why, that's why in life we do maintenance and things around the house, don't we? Uh, all that sort of thing. It's far more effective than just firefighting. Right, next one. Other animals. So we've gone a little bit about our community and those sorts of things, and I, I hope some of you have started to think, well, oh, maybe that's something I need to think about. Um, but we are nothing if we're a closed community. We're ineffective. We're, we're going to go through life, 300 of us or whatever, having a, a comfortable, nice time, serving God, and get into heaven. But that's not what God's called us to do. As a community, we need to be net givers. So within the community, we need to be thinking about, am I a net giver? I.e., do I give out more than I receive? And certainly as a community as a whole, we need to be net givers. And we are. That's something we do really well at. And I think that's, you know, open doors stuff and all the, the projects and all that sort of thing. We are really good um, at, at giving out and being part of the community. So... You know, I do want to encourage us that we are, we are good at these things. Um, but there's two other groups of people we might connect with. How do we relate to other churches and other Christians? 
is there a, a term lifeline snobbery? I think, I think possibly some of us can be guilty of that. I know I can be sometimes, and I think God quite often gives me a gentle little reminder by putting someone not lifeline in my way that does something amazing. I think, oh yeah, God's got other people out there. And <laughs> I think we chuckle, but actually it was a slightly embarrassed chuckle probably, because I think we do think that. And it is a good thing we've got here. Lifeline is great. And we've got a great way of uh, interacting with each other and, and a great way of worshipping and serving God. But it isn't the be-all and end-all. There are different ways of doing things. Last um, summer when we did that, and the stuff with Bethel, the Olympic stuff, um, that was an amazing opportunity. They do things completely differently. They're massive. They're always out in the community. Um, and they, they have a different emphasis on, on relationship. But you can see how the different things work. I mean, they got that event going completely. We just helped out. But actually, we were the different part of God's bigger body of the kingdom. Because there's a particular example where they were struggling to get the youth stuff going. And, they, and I was in a meeting with the guys, and they just went, oh, well, we just shut that one day. We just want to have a youth section. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Give me a week. <laughs> and I just said to uh, Abigail and Dan, I think, Dan Jones, um, can we do something? And I went, yeah, no problem. We'll get it sorted. And within a couple of days, they come back to me, and I went back to the guys at Beth and I said, right, we've got the youth zone sorted. Don't worry about that. This is what we're going to do. And, you know, that's something we're really strong at, is making stuff work with not much resources. You know, we've got a tent here, we've got a table tennis table there, we've got people, which is, which is key, that are willing to commit and do stuff. And we were able to be the other part of the body that they needed. You know, we talk about many parts in one body. Sometimes we think of that in our community, but also if we think of the wider community, there are things that different churches are good at. It's good that they're different, because they're only a couple of miles away. And it would be awkward in some ways if we did the same things. You know, if we were constantly out in parts of those parks doing things, or locally, there'd be a bit of a clash, or, or could be. Um, but the fact that we, we were able to have different emphases is really good. And different things suit different people. Some people really like that, that style of doing things, and some people prefer our stuff. And that's okay that we're in a place where we're, that suits us, not necessarily where we're comfortable, where it suits us, suits how we, we do things and how we react and interact. Um, yeah, so that was a real good opportunity last year. And I went to Christians in Sport conference a couple of years ago, and just meeting other people that are in different situations, doing different things, but still doing some pretty amazing things and really serving God is a real, you know, real eye-opener and, and really lifts the spirit, I think, of knowing that actually across the country there are people really serving God. Some in very similar ways to us, some in very different ways. Um, and that was really good. Um, you know, secular animals. <laughs> How do we interact with people outside of the church setting at work, in the street, wherever that may be. We heard a story, was it Lisa a couple of weeks ago? She's not here, is she? About um, waiting for that lady in the park and praying with her. You know, that's, that's really saying, you know, I am uh, a co-heir with Christ and I have the authority to talk with this person, to pray for this person, to see things change for them. Are we like that or are we slightly embarrassed by our minority pastime? You know, we, yeah, we are. what did you do at the weekend? Oh, did this on Saturday and you know, I had lunch with some people on Sunday and then yeah, watched telly Sunday evening. Or do we say, you know, I went to church on Sunday morning and X, Y, and Z happened or, or how confident are we? And I, I find, and more recently I've tried to do this, when I'm, when I'm bold but not weird about it, <laughs> you know, pe- people don't think it's that odd. 
You know, they really don't. They, they, they get faith. They might not have faith, but they get faith, and they, they do get community. You know, as, as surprised as that midwife was by that, you know, I think she, you could say, like, wow. It wasn't like a, wow, they're weird. It's like a, wow, people care that much. And you don't, they're not like, it's not your mum and dad. These are just other people. So I think, you know, it does have an impact. People get faith. People get community. People like to be part of things. And, you know, I think sometimes we just need to be bold with who we are. And as I say, not weird and ramming it down people's throats. They don't like that. But you're bold who you are so people know uh, who you are and what you're about. You know, the guys at work, they know I'm a Christian and they blooming well point it out when I swear or have a slightly right assent of view on something. I don't seem to think Christians are all lefties. But, <laughs> but they do, they, on a regular basis. That's not really Christian of you. Ooh, did you say... <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> I won't repeat it. <laughs> um, it, it. If nothing else, it keeps you honest. <laughs> keeps you on your toes. Um, so, right, just to wrap up, next slide, thanks. Right, so I think let's be encouraged. We're good at what we do. We are really good at being together, serving each other, serving the wider community, looking after each other. We've had, you know, four or five really good examples, you know, when I dropped it right on you. And I had ten examples, something like that, um, and they weren't hard to think of. You know, we are good at this. This is an encouragement, guys. Um, let's celebrate the things we're good at. Let's celebrate the things that we, we really excel at and serve God in. Um, but there is more, because if we were there, if we got it sorted, we'd be upstairs already. And there's more for us to have together. There's a deeper level of uh, relationship that God wants us to have and a deeper level of commitment to each other and therefore a bigger impact on, on the wider community. Um, let's think about how sacrificially we serve. Is it sacrificial? You know, let, let, I'm not saying let's look for things to... Let's look for issues that we're not good at to pick up. As I've said, there are, we are different for a reason, and that's good. But maybe God's just planted something. I don't want you to go searching, like go home and over lunch and go, what am I not good at? What are you not good at? What, can we, what do we need to get better at? That's not what this is about. This is about celebrating what we're good at and just picking up if God's saying... Actually, this is the thing I want you to do. And, and maybe it's sacrificially serve when someone else's success becomes more important than your success. And I think that's, that, that, for me, was quite a good little nugget to remember. Um, maybe God's just nudging you back, graciously receiving, about just dropping that pride a little bit and about thinking, actually, I, I could do with some help in this area. I think resolving issues quickly... Is, is really important as well. That when there are issues, it stops us relating to each other. And also, if you've got an issue with person X, it affects how you relate to person Y because there's bitterness, resentment, just unresolved trust over relationships. So sort those out quickly. Even this morning, if you're sitting here thinking, oh yeah, there's a, a, whatever it might be, there's an issue with someone, sort it out this morning. Don't wait, don't do it on Thursday or think about it. Go and talk to them this morning if they're here, or phone them when you get home, or you know, get someone else involved if you think I'm a bit uncomfortable. Come and grab one of the leaders and just say, can you come and help me talk to this person? There's, there's something I need to sort out. Um, 
and be together. Just being together more helps. When you're together more, we learn more about each other and we're in a good position to, to be able to serve each other. But as I say, in everything, we're not looking for holes that we need patching up. We're looking at what's God saying. What is God saying? Maybe, actually, all you needed to hear this morning was that you're doing a good job and there isn't anything to, to go and do. There isn't anything to change or to resolve and that's, that's what God's saying. Well done. Get on with it. That's good. Um, so, I think... Oh, the only other thing I was going to say is, you know, when we do spend time with people, and this is something that we were talking about recently, and particularly leaders, but not, not exclusively, you know, what we want when we're helping people and serving people, we're not looking at them becoming like us. We're not looking at them... You know, everyone being like me, because that would be very boring. And what we want is people to be the best version of themselves. And I think that's, you know, when you're helping people, and I say particularly in leadership where we're looking for development and things like that, we want people to be the best version of themselves. And I think that's something I, you know, or probably a lot of leaders have to constantly check ourselves on. Actually, if someone does something a different way to you, that's probably okay, even if it feels like a silly way. It might be their way, it might be the way that makes sense to them. And that's what God wants us to be, the best version of ourselves. God doesn't want 300 John Singletons. You know, God wants 300 individual people's people. And he's got, their, he's got the names on them, and they're your names. And he wants you to be the best version of you. And so I think when we're spending time with each other, let's think about that, about the, the difference and the diversity, and allow that to flourish and happen, but be supportive of each other in that. And I think that's me. When we were sorting out the different Sunday, uh, summer Sundays, thanks Paul, um, I said I'd take responsibility for this one and I was just kind of, just holding before God, so what, what do we want to do this week? And I really felt... Um, I had something I wanted to bring, but I really felt God say Paul should speak, that, that he had something to bring. And so thankfully he'd said yes. And, and so that's been his chance to just bring just the thing that's in, on his heart that God's really impressing on him. The thing I had, and Pax, could you put up John 10, verse 9 and 10, was just these two verses. And um, I just, I, can, I said to Nathan this morning, I might have something to tell what Paul's saying and I just think there is something I just want us to consider because all that um, Paul's just talked about is an incredible miracle that happens when we know God. It doesn't happen without that. You know, we can help each other and you don't need to be in the church for people to help you. That, that happens all over the place. But the things that Paul described just towards the end there when he was talking about sacrificial serving, you know, that really loving people more than yourself, graciously receiving, allowing people to love you, when sometimes that's hard, resolving issues quickly. Well, I don't know about you, but that's not an easy thing to do. It's not natural. And being together, because it just really matters. You know, these things are supernatural. And I just want us to read this verse, and I just want you to just hold this before God. You ready? John 10, 9 and 10. Let me read it. 
I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And you can read that and you can think, okay, that's good. Jesus came as a door to save us from death, that we would know God and therefore know life in abundance. Oh, what does that mean I get? Life in abundance, what does that mean I get? But actually all Paul's been talking about this morning is that reality of God gives us everything. He gives us life in abundance. But part of that is that ability to give away and to give. You know, all the people that gave examples of where they had received, you will find 10 more examples of people saying, that was amazing that I was able to be part of that. That was amazing that I was able to bless somebody in that way. And there's something about the life that God has given us, that life of abundance, that I just want you to think about now. Let me just read it again. I'll start at nine. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And I will go in and will go in and out and find pasture. When we're saved, when we know God, when we have recognizes him as Lord, we find pasture. We have all our needs met. He comes to us. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the, the, the enemy of God who says, you know what? You don't need God. You can manage these things without him. But he has come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And just thinking of the things Paul has said, let's just ask God, and I just want you for a minute, and write it down if you can. What has God saved you from? And what does he want to give you of life more abundant? And let me just give you some of the things Paul talked about. The hindrances to loving can be laziness, selfishness, lack of confidence, the hindrances to receiving help can be pride. Oh, no, they wouldn't want to do that for me. Who am I anyway? How can I possibly ask? God has come to save us from all of that. We don't have to live in any of that. We can be people who are net givers, giving more than we receive. And we can be people who sacrificially serve, graciously give, quickly resolve issues, and enjoy being together. So just for a minute, ask God, what does he want to save you from today? And what does he want to give you more in abundance? And just take a minute and ask him, and write it down, and remember it. Father, we thank you for what you've spoken today. We thank you for your word, and that incredible reality of what it means to know you, and to know your love, ourselves and to know it and how we can love others. So Lord, today help us see what you want to save us from and enable us to know what it means to live a life in abundance. In your name. Amen.